Thank you for listening to the Around the Net Post Tennis Podcast. Please tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. 3030 Tennis, the ultimate racket sports experience. Thank you so much for partnering with us. 3030 is a shortened format of tennis paddle and pickleball by providing a unique scoring system, producing shorter, faster paced, more dynamic matches that still feel, look and sound like traditional matches. 3030 is a scoring format that starts each game at 3030, hence the name, rather than love all. This makes points matter quicker and each point has greater importance. The fundamentals remain the same, high intensity, more dynamic and ultra competitive, but extremely exciting. Please visit their LinkedIn page, Facebook and Instagram or their website, which the link is in the podcast bio. Welcome, welcome back to Around the Net Post Tennis Podcast. Thanks for joining us on a Wednesday night. I believe this is episode four. I may be wrong about that. Um, this is the most excited I've been for an episode. Um, so much to talk about um, from the from the first half of the first week of the Australian Open. Jacob, how's your week been? And um, what do you want to start with? Uh, yeah, I think to start off, we really should just get right into talking about the, the Australian Open, some of the matches, how the favorites are doing, any upsets that might have happened, and see how our how our draw picks are going so far. Yeah, I was writing things down to 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 discuss, and it was too much. I had to cut it down. Um, it, I mean, it was just such an exciting start to the the tournament for both the men's and the women's draw. I I think we start with the number one seed in the men's draw, Novak Djokovic, your your favorite player. Are, are you a little bit concerned about the drop sets in in both of his opening matches now? Um, I would say I'm not concerned yet. Um, he's had many tournaments, I think, in the past where he's not looked amazing on his way to the tournament. I mean, just last year, as an example, he had the multiple drop sets, seemed like he was injured at points, but then he just went bigger on the forehand and ended up taking the title home. But I'd say if it happens again against Edgeberry in the next round, then I'd be a little more concerned that he isn't finding his his rhythm, so to say. I think he was, was in a little bit of danger against Popperin in that third set of potentially going down and being down two sets to one, but he's he's been able to come through in a couple of tight matches. So I'm I'm optimistic, but I I would say that if, if it happens again in this next match, I'd be a little concerned. What did you think? Yeah, I was gonna say a little a little bit. He was a set point down there um to mm-hmm. go two to one down. I would I would like to see if uh, the Australian could have closed that out, but it didn't quite happen for him in the end. Oh, so up next for him is is Echeverry. Uh, that's going to be a physical match. I think that may take a little bit more out of him than he would want. Uh, how do you see that matchup playing out? I think I think it's going to play well for Novak in that Echeverry hits a good consistent ball, but he's not going to be overpowering on either side, and I think that that could benefit Novak if he feels like he needs to get a little bit more rhythm, be able to dictate the points a bit more. In his first two matches, like Popper and huge serve, big ground strokes, likes to play aggressive. And then against uh, Prismich in that first round, he's also a, a young guy who was at one point just ripping the forehand and the backhand. I think having a, a little more time to get his feet under him and kind of find his rhythm a bit more in a match setting, I think will do him a lot of good. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I have Novak Djokovic coming through that match. I don't think he'll he'll lose, but interesting mm-hmm. to see him play a variety of opponents, two young guys, and then you know, Echeverry's young, but plays a completely different game to those other two, Prisic yeah, and, sure. and Popperin. 
Um, I tell you what, um, what was really interesting for that match was that Nick Kyrgios was in in the commentary. Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've enjoyed having him in the box. I think I've enjoyed having him as a commentator a lot more than I thought I would. He's really good. Yeah, he he's does really a really good. Great job of it overall. Like he's insightful. Plus he he seems to know the player. I mean, he'd obviously have to, but he knows a lot of the players pretty well, so he can kind of give good insight into the game. Whereas you know some of the the older commentators they. I mean, they haven't played in professional tennis for 20 or 30 years sometimes, so they're a little bit more out of touch with kind of the current mindset, I guess, to some extent. So it's been really good to kind of hear from somebody that's currently or maybe somewhat still on the tour at this point, uh, be able to hear their inputs into the game. Yeah, it's good to have him in, involved in the tournament, at least in that capacity rather than being out there. I, I really like him. He mm-hmm. divides opinion, but I really like him. But yeah, good to... It took me by surprise the first time I, I heard his voice, but he definitely has a voice for it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And talking of curious, did you did you see the uh, interaction Djokovic had with the the crowd member uh, at the end of the match or at some other point? It was in like the middle of it. Yeah, you should watch it. Um, I'll have to go back and look. I I had been watching the match earlier today, but I only got up to. I believe halfway through the third set before I had to go to work, but I, I've been watching the whole match all the way through earlier. Yeah. The, the, you have to let me know. You, well, we talk, we can talk about it on Sunday when it, when it comes up, um, yeah. when you see it, but yeah, the guy is he's kind of directly behind the court a little bit to the left. Um, but yeah, the guy is, you know, I guess talking, you know, smack to him and then he turns around, like goes right up to it. The, you know, the advertising boards and it's like, said to my face, said to my face. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty Kyrgios-esque, but it's rare yeah. to see Djokovic get involved in tussles like that. And I, I think yeah. it kind of shows that he's under he is under a bit of stress against these early-round opponents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot more so than in past years. I've One thing that I've enjoyed seeing is uh, Yannick Sinner just kind of barreling through his opponents so far um, with almost no stress. It kind of reminded me of a few years back when you had the big four all playing super well and you'd have like a Novak Rafa first round against random opponents right around the 100 rank in the world and they would just go in and lose maybe three games and three sets it was just always fun to watch kind of the beatdowns that they would give out to players who are great players like top 100 players but they just made them look like they weren't even in the same caliber of the same sport almost at some points yeah i i, th- I agree with you i i think the level of the game is a little bit different now though so the guys you play in the first round actually uh, um, of a much higher caliber yep, than, than they were. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, you don't see those, like, one, one and ones that, that they were putting on people back in the day. Yeah, um, you see them very rarely now. Yeah, I mean, Sinner did it last night to that Dutch guy, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, talking of... It's a little tough for him. Yeah. Talking of, um, talking of Echeverry, I think we need to talk about Andy Murray, we both had him going to the uh, the third round for a matchup against Novak Djokovic. That's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. I, I literally have written on my sheet here, Andy Murray, and then a sad face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't get to watch much of his match. I just saw a few points, but it it wasn't it was really awful. competitive at any point. Yeah, it was um, it was really sad to watch actually. Like, I don't know, it was wasn't the Andy Murray that we we're used to, and it was. And it felt it just felt weird. It felt like he was just there, like mm-hmm. he didn't 
not actually there to win, which was is so weird to say about Andy Murray. Yeah, but, um, especially after last year when he made the that mini run where he had the the five set win over Kokonakis in five hours or whatever it was. Just kind of a contrast of what one year can do, I guess, when you're at the end of your career. Yeah, he's going to lose the points from that too. I think his rank is going to go down probably to the seventy-ish mark. I think, and and after that, it's tough. You don't see many guys that are kind of at the tail end of their career that drop down really low Mm -hmm. and then manage to fight up. Like, you have to kind of have to be in that top 50 still. Yeah. It's, you know, he's not going to drop down to the challenge at all week in, week out. I I don't think. We did it last year for a little bit, but I don't think he'll do it again. Yeah, we kind of seen that, I guess, earlier in the tournament with Gasquet playing against Alcaraz. just kind of dropping out of the top 100 for the first time in I think it's 18 years now at this point kind of seems like he's at the end of his career as well so yeah it'll be interesting to see if, if Andy Murray sticks around longer than potentially Wimbledon this year I could I could see a situation where he plays maybe he can get into the French Open like not into the French Open but into uh the Olympics and then and then see where he's at at that point it's sad, really, um, for a guy that, from you know, I grew up on him. But, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I think I mean, that just raises the question where he's going to stop. I, it has to be Wimbledon, really. Yeah. But whether it's this Wimbledon or the next Wimbledon is the question. Right. Yeah, because he could still get off with multiple wild cards, I think, for at least another year if he really wanted to, to get into tournaments. But I don't know what his level will be like a year from now if he's – if his level that was he had at this Australian Open was indicative of what he's going to have for the rest of the year. Yeah, but then you say a couple of weeks ago he took Dimitrov to a third set. I think it was the only set Dimitrov yeah. lost lost in that tournament. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's not a sign of things to come, but it's I'm, I'm sad. I'm, it saddens me that we're talking about Murray not being there. I feel like we should be talking about a reunion between Djokovic and Murray in the third round, but we'll wait for that to happen. I'm sure... Well, let's hope it does. One more time. Uh, looking at our predictions, I, I had Musetti going to, the, I think, the quarters um, to play against Djokovic. Mm-hmm. I'm looking a little bit like an idiot now after that prediction. Um, he's he's out. He lost to the young Frenchman Van, Van Asher is the uh, correct pronunciation, I've been told. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically tanked the last set. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did see that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, good, good grief. Like, yeah. Yeah, not a, not an ounce of effort went into that. Uh, credit yeah. to the Frenchman, um, but yeah, it's put me in bad stead for uh, winning the predictions. Um, mm-hmm. You give the update on on how far behind I am already. Yeah, after so, three days. So checking after the three days, um, I'm currently uh, slightly ahead of you with 73 points. Um, I believe I'm at 75% of my picks are correct so far. And then trailing behind slightly, we have you with 66 points. And I think you are currently standing around 70% of your picks have been correct so far. So not not too far behind. As, as we get further into the draw, the, the picks are worth more each round. So depending on how these next uh, half of the second round matches go and how the later matches go, you can easily pick up some ground here and uh, maybe overtake me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that encouragement. Um, yeah, you said that so graciously. I would have just been like, "Yeah, I'm smoking you." Um, hey, I'm. O- I think I'm only four correct picks ahead of you, but they were all second round picks that I got right. So, I will. I will take the points where I can get them right now. 
yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, I'd say it's relatively tight. I'd, yeah, I'd say it's relatively. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that as mm-hmm. as we lead into this the next uh, the next couple of players I want to talk about. Um, we'll get to the the women's draw um, in a little bit. Really, an area that we haven't focused too much on in this podcast. We haven't done it justice. Um, but before that, we'll talk about um, one of the major upsets because there haven't been that many in the men's draw. Um, big foe who was who was I think he's going to be well I did think he was going to be top 10 by the end of the year it maybe looks like possibly not now yeah. um, but what a match from um, I'm going to call it Macac I think it's probably Machac but I'm going to call it Macac that's my new nickname for him the, yep. the Czech player what a performance he just yeah I mean he just came out blasting the ball pretty much from the beginning of the match I I just saw what they were showing on ESPN, so it was kind of going in and out between that and other matches. But I mean, he looked he looked really good and just big serve, big forehand, dictate all the points, come forward when he needed to. And, and Tiafo just did not. I mean, he felt a little flat to me for a lot of the match. He's he's really a big energy guy, so I feel like he needs to to find some like inspiration from the crowd, and the crowd seemed to be behind. Bashak for a lot of the match, so I don't. He just seemed to be struggling out there for a lot of it. Yeah, he looked. He looked. Uh, he looked rumbled. It really, yeah. did, it looked like he was just completely taken aback. Which uh, th- this guy is. It's he's not. Re- he's not really new. No, he's, he's been around a while. It's, yeah, it's common knowledge that he plays like that. To me, it, like Big Foe looked surprised that this guy was doing that. Yeah, um, he just was expecting him to kind of give him the match to a certain extent and really based off of the last year of tennis that hashtag has been playing I, I don't really see where he would have gotten that that idea Impressive. from but yeah he's my he's he's one of my new favorite players yeah he's like he's like the dream game style that's like when you envision playing tennis that's that's what you want mm-hmm. and just the opposite to anything i've ever done in my tennis career <laughs> yeah no ground even behind the baseline yeah um but yeah, I, I I really want him to go far. He could be our breakout guy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he had a, I think a relatively good season, probably his best season by his career standards last year. And there's no reason why he can't continue that going forward. Yeah, he's from the um, he's from the town in the Czech Republic too. That like is just a like um, what's he a petri dish of producing tennis players. There's like yeah. seven Czech women and three Czech men that are all from this one town in Czech Republic. It's crazy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so moving on to, I, I guess the matches tonight. Um, what I'm there's two that I've flagged that I'm super excited for. Uh, Tommy Paul against Jack Draper. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, we should start a, uh, a running tally of how many consecutive episodes I mentioned Jack Draper <laughs> in. But um, yeah, I think that. Is you can't blame me for highlighting that as a as a key match tonight. A lot of our predictions are actually focused on that one. Um, mm-hmm. But a rematch from uh, last week, and I don't know. I think there's 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 a chance for an upset there. But you yeah, know, what, what I, do you have to say? I I think there's definitely the chance. I mean, Draper kind of beat him easily last time they played. Uh, I think straight sets, but Draper looked a little. Little gassed at the end of his last match, he was uh, throwing up in the bin afterwards after he shook hands. Um, and Tommy Paul was coming off of a pretty straightforward win himself. So I, I didn't actually see that. Yeah, I, 
yeah, if you if you look it up, he was uh, he shook hands and he ran over to the bench and he started throwing up in a in a basket or something like that. So uh, physically, I think Draper might be a little little tough to get the win if it, especially if it goes four or five sets. So I would give the edge to Tommy Paul, but at the same time, if he's coming back fully fit, he may have. I can't remember if he had two days of rest or just one. If he played on Sunday or Monday first, but it'll be interesting to see how fit he is going into this match. Yeah, well, um, I can see a retirement potentially looming there. Based on how he's pulled out of previous matches, I can see you know, him going down a set and a couple breaks and pulling out. But I hope not. I, I pull, for, pull for Jack pretty hard. Um, mm-hmm. But but also, you, I, I like Tommy Paul, and he made the semi, what, semis quarters last year. So he's got a lot of points at stake, and I, I like Tommy Paul, so I, I also don't want to see him lose. It's like one of those, it's like the team Alger LSC match. You want them yeah. both to win, but they play each other. But yeah, I, d- I don't want to see him drop down the rankings, Tommy Paul, either. Um, another one I have flagged here is the, the Finnish player, Rusevori, against Medvedev. I'm hoping that the Finn can uh, find his Davis Cup form and, and push Medvedev. Yeah, I, I, wanna, I would like to see Medvedev uh, pushed past the first set because that first set for Medvedev in the first round, he didn't look great. And Cesar Burks looked very good, and then Burks just kind of fell off. The fitness cliff and Medvedev rolled him over pretty easily the last few sets. So, oh, do you know that's that, crazy? That that Zizou Birds guy, you know, he mm-hmm. retired in qualifying. I did see that. Yeah, I was watching a video. He retired and then he got the lucky loser to get into the tournament. Yeah, how does that work? I, I, how do who <laughs> I don't, I surely that disqualifies you from like getting in the tournament again. Well, the I'm pretty sure like he qual he retired due to heat cramps but interestingly he was up a set and maybe up a break as well in that match when he retired or something like that um but then once you once you lose in that last round of qualifying i'm pretty sure it's just random if you get in or not like it's uh no i think it's not i I think if you i think it's done on like if you it's done in a set like if you win a set you're pretty much guaranteed to get in because there's always some withdrawals Gosh, well, then that would make sense with him being up that set then before he started feeling sick on court. So, yeah, I didn't know the reason. I, I just yeah. saw that like he had retired. Yeah, I, if he sure if he had retired cool. again, you think that would have been the first time anyone had ever retired twice in the same tournament? That would be pretty incredible. I would be. <laughs> I guess he would just go into the tournament to get the paycheck at that point, but I feel like they would disincentivize that in some way. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty hefty paycheck, that's for sure. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I get the round of 32 matches, which would not be tonight. They would be tomorrow night um, in the top half. I have I have my boy Makak against Kachinov as, a, as highlighted, and also Djokovic Echeverry. Those are my two two matches that I'm looking forward to. Do you have any that stand out to you? Um, I guess a couple from tonight that stand out a little bit. One would be... There's there's two Aussie matches I think are interesting. You got Kokonakis versus Grigor tonight at some point. I think that'll be maybe not the most competitive match if if Kokonakis isn't 100%, but it'll be a fun one just because he he seems to play really good in front of the home crowd every year. And then you think they'll get uh, Nick Kyrgios on the commentary for that? On his, like on his best friend? That'd be that awesome would, if they did. That would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I get a little. Uh, little bias in the commentary box when i wouldn't uh disagree with it It'd be pretty fun yeah i'd, I'd also like to uh like to see kokanak is uh, against Titsipas with nick in the uh in the commentary oh, yeah. box yeah it's I'm not gonna sure. happen but yeah i think since was uh playing in the first round i think curious may have been commentating but 
I can't remember for sure because um, they were cutting in and out of different matches. Um, but then the one other match that stood out, uh, Max Purcell versus Casper Rude. I think that yeah. would be an interesting match just because Purcell plays a pretty aggressive game, but lots of slicing, lots of coming forward. And be interested to see how well Rude is playing against somebody that brings something a little different to the table than your typical just kind of Aussie grinder. Yeah, I I don't like my attitude towards Casper Rude right now. I feel like I'm waiting for someone to beat him. Yeah. Like, he's like that guy, he's, you know, it's just like, who's going to get the the scalp? Yep. Um, yeah. He's, he looked good earlier in the year at the United Cup in Australia, or down in Australia, so I think he's he's got a shot at going deep, but I, I feel the same way as you, like, I'm interested in the match because I feel like Purcell has a good chance of winning more so than I think I'm interested to see Casper Rude dominating. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, let's let's go to the women's. Um, that's where the upsets have been ha- happening. Um, yeah. The, the Wimbledon champion Czech player Von Drusova, seven seed, she's out. She got absolutely smashed. And then Anjabur, six seed, zero and two, to the yeah. uh, Andreva, who's you know a, a teenager. Yeah, little little Monfils like. To me, you know, yeah. I think it 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 shows the the flashy tennis that well, doesn't doesn't win. Right. Let's let's say that I want to be political about it. Um, but you know, it, it, you can. There's always one person in the top ten that's super flashy, really good, super talented, but then they never quite make it. And I, I think that's unfortunately going to be the way it is. It is for her, and it was for Monfils. I think Monfils accepted a, a little a little though. I think he yeah. is. Goal was to entertain, and he, he was fine with that. I I, would, I wanted to get your opinion on this too. So, uh, first round, Sabalenka, who's I, I think she's going to win the tournament. She plays eighteen eighteen year old, destroyed, zero and one. What, what sort of damage do you think that does um, as a player to to lose like that? Um, I think it almost depends on how experienced the player is. If it's if it's somebody really young that hasn't had lot of success but is in maybe their first grand slam i think it's it's a good learning opportunity in a lot of ways where you have a young person who just i mean if it's your first grand slam you're going to be a little nervous having to go up against one of the best players in the world if not maybe the best women's player in the world right now playing in great form is just a difficult task in and of itself and then adding to that like just i think it's a it's definitely more of a learning experience. Whereas I think if the player, if was, if it wasn't an 18 year old, let's say it's a 25 year old uh, women's player that's ranked maybe 50 in the world, then that lady gets obliterated 0 and 1. I think that does a lot more damage to that person versus the 18 year olds. What do you think? I don't I think it's different. I think it takes a, a strong character to come back from that. And that was yeah. one of the worst feelings for, for me playing was when you play someone that is just better than you and a lot better than you. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it puts things into perspective that, I mean, especially for, you know, she's playing at the Australian Open, like, you are really good, but this is how far away you are from where you want to be. Like, I think it, I think that's a tough blow, especially how it was. It, it was, it was brutal. Yeah, I I didn't really get to see much of the match. I just saw a couple highlights and 0-1 is uh, about as least competitive as you can get. So. And it was five love. She, it was like four match points at five love. Oof. And then she got out of the game and then won. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, um, uh, not confidence-building at all. 
yeah, I think it's a, I think it maybe comes down to personality. I think if you're like a happy-go-lucky person, you just brush it off and be like, oh, what a great experience. But mm-hmm. if you're deep down, like, you know, like a, a dog mentality competitor, I think that right. hurts. But good to see uh, Raducanu back uh, to yeah. winning ways in Grand Slams. That that was nice to see. And, and college tennis well represented too. I saw like a graphic that had, you know, the each player in the Australian Open qualifying, mm-hmm. um, the main draws, and then, you know, which college they went to. And it it was a pretty uh, pretty strong advocate for for the college pathway. I'll say that yeah. you know there's a lot of players in there. Yeah, just singles alone. I think there was something like 15 or so, maybe up to 20 players that made main draw that college ties, and then doubles was even higher. I think something yeah. like 40 to 50 percent of the draw had some form of college tennis experience. So good a uh, good indicator of the strength of the college tour. Yeah. No. And um, it'd be uh, it'd be good. I think Nori was kind of up there on his own for a while, mm-hmm. kind of flying that flag. But good to be joined by others. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I say I say that that you know, American outside of the American guys, Isner and right. Shelton yeah. and that. Yeah, um, and the players like Shelton, Isner before he retired, Steve Johnson, all those guys. But I think there's kind of a new wave of college tennis players that are coming out now. Where if you're in the top top five top 10 in division one tennis you've got a really good shot at making it to at least the top 300 top 200 now in atp tennis well they, they have a pathway now yeah like it, i think it they, I, you put know more about it than me but i think that's good like i think before you know say five years ago like you had to be a freak in college like yep. steve johnson john is like absolutely just wipe the floor of anyone yep. to make it but now it's you know there's assistance there's you know, a process in, in place to make that a pathway. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, I think something like the top 16 players or it's either the top 16 that make it in the singles tournament in the spring or the the ITAL America tournament, one or the other. But those those 16 players get automatic entry into a certain amount of uh, futures and challengers tournaments. And then just outside of that as well, a lot of colleges at the upper end of Division One are supporting the players and going to play in ITF tournaments and futures tournaments. Um, just a lot more uh, openness, I would say, towards having the players play internationally and across the United States in those professional tournaments versus just competing against other schools and kind of local uh, college-hosted tournaments. So I think it's led to them getting a lot more experience on the professional level, and it makes the transition a lot easier to where some of the players might already be in the top 500 if they've been playing a half year's worth of tournaments at that point. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Jacob Andrews, the fountain of all tennis knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, th- this was interesting. Other news, not not Australian Open. Um, I saw Paul Jarvis playing against Stefan Kozlov in a challenger in Indian Wells uh, tomorrow, um, talking of college tennis. Um, but I, I kind of wondered, like, what what happened to Kozlov? I I watched him play against Carl Edmund at Wimbledon in the juniors. It was like the quarterfinal of Wimbledon juniors, and yeah. it was like he was the next big thing, but but never quite made it. Um, do, do you know sort of his story? What what happened to him? Not really. I mean, the last the last time I remember seeing him play was that match where he played Grigor Dimitrov about three or four years ago now, at least, where he he cramped up in the. I think they were down in Mexico for this match. He cramped up in the second or third set and was on one leg, and he ended up somehow winning the match in the in the third set. That was really the last time I remember him 
at least on the ATP tour level competing. And then he's just kind of been going through the challenger circuit in recent years. I don't, I don't know enough about if he's been injured or if he's been just dropping down in the rankings, but you, you yeah, we'll have to, to we'll have yeah. to look into that for next week. The yeah. of Stefan. Um, yeah. But he qualified for this challenger. Like he didn't even get in main, main draw. Oh, interesting. And the, the same tournament in the doubles, um, uh, we, we played him in college. Roy Stepanov has just uh, beaten the, the number two seeds to make to the quarterfinals. Um, and he plays another another college guy. Paul Job won the national championship. Tyson Kwiatkowski oh, yeah. uh, in the quarterfinals. That, he won it with a UVA. I think it was the year that we went to college. Yeah, I remember him. He actually played uh, the day, like not the day. It was like two weeks after he won the, the singles tournament. For college, he actually played my coach at the time, and my coach ended up taking him down in three sets, which I thought was very interesting because my coach was I mean, a former good player, but he he at the time was like 39 years old and just kind of teaching tennis on the side. Former top three college player and top uh, ATP, like top 500 ATP player, but still uh, a little bit of an older guy to be taking down the, the current reigning NCAA singles champion. No name drop? You going to name drop him? Uh, Ryan Havlin from South Carolina. Some people may know him if you're from that area. We got a website to his coaching website. You can plug him. Uh, yeah, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Havlin Tennis Academy. Uh, head down there if you want some good coaching at a good price. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, I remember you, you told me that story uh, way yeah. back when, and you're like, "Well, I won a set of Ryan one time, and he won a set." Off Tyson Kwiatkowski, so that yeah. technically means I won a set of Tyson Kwiatkowski. It essentially made me the NCAA singles champion. Somehow. <laughs> I really, I'm not sure how transitive properties work, but I think that's how they go. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought I'd, I'd drop that in there. Um, plug, uh, plug to Roy for uh, to um, to making it. He's he's about 500 in the world, doing very well. Um, I see he's yeah. playing uh, with uh, Daniel Kukovan. He used to actually play for. USC, I believe, and at one point yeah, he did. number one in the country in Division One. I. I think based off the fall tournament results, but still had the number one ranking. I think in 2019 or 2018, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, but I think we should let the let the listeners know. So um, our our senior year, we played against Roy um, in doubles, Jacob and I, and we had set point right, and and Jacob missed a smash on top of the net. Um, so I just I just want everyone to to know that. Yep. That, that smash that's that still haunts me to this day. But but you left out the one little detail where the smash was on your side of the court, and it, I was letting you hit the overhead, but then you told me to take the overhead, and I I was a little uh, nervous and you know didn't really want to run on your side of the court. So I think it's a a team failure in that part. Uh, team team communication failure, we'll say. Yeah, I'll take 25%. You take 75%. I'll take, I'll take the 75%, yeah. And you just made us sound like awful tennis players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great level. Currently, those those two guys, uh, Roy Stefanov and his partner, were, I think, ranked like 12 in the country at that time. So Matteo Gostelli. Yep. Matteo <laughs> Gostelli. <laughs> no, um, yeah, good uh, good memories of college. Um, good, good stuff. I, um, yeah, one of, the, one of the fun ones that we can laugh about now. I don't know if I was yep. laughing at the time now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly wasn't. That about wraps it up for uh, this week's episode. Um, 
thank you so much for for listening to Around the Net Post. Um, we thank you so much for your support and, and uh, continued listenership, if that's a word. Um, I've been George Barfoot. And I'm Jacob Andres. And remember, always go around the net post.